What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path with Leslie and Tracy. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I am. I definitely am today. Ooh, I love that. With authority and yeah. confidence and enthusiasm, saying yes to spirit. And every week when we do the show, we have a theme. And this week our theme is hope. It's show number 57. Yay! And 57, wow. Yeah, 57. And, um, and uh, we'll talk about hope and what saying yes to spirit has, what connection that has to hope in your world and in your life. And then, uh, you know, just to feed my need to connect the dots here to last week's topic of the conflict, which ended up being about inner conflict. Yep. And how does hope connect to inner conflict? I'm thinking. Give me a minute. We'll dull on my cold drop medicine here. But I guess in a way, hope is one way to come out of inner conflict. Um, and when I was thinking about hope, hope somehow to me, and maybe we can get into this later, but you know, it sort of feels like it's it's not really anything in substance. Um, but in a way, inner conflict, I think we kind of talked about last week too, it sort of becomes a thing because we give it power. Yes. And so in the same kind of way, I think in hope, comes a thing because we get a power. So in a strange way, those are kind of similar. Neither one by themselves hold any power. It's we give them power, which probably could be true about anything. About just about everything. That's interesting, isn't it? Change your thinking, change your life. Change your life. But I agree with you. I think that um, that the whole conversation we had last time about conflict, inner conflict, the turmoil that we create within ourselves and we build it and we build it and we just make it more, give it more power and it becomes everything that we expect it to. That when we have hope that we put our energy and our belief into that hope and so why are we surprised or we aren't surprised when then that's what comes to pass. Right. So, yeah, there's there's that link that they are both intangibles uh-huh. that we get power based on our meaning of them. Right. So I like that. I like that little connected dots. I feel settled and better <laughs> and proud and, you know, a little happy. Uh, exactly. Proud is an interesting word, yes. Very cool. So um, that's our Connect the Dots. We'll be talking about hope today, and um, we'll take a little break and then come back and talk more about hope.
Okay, so we are back with Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie, all day today. <laughs> and um, those of you who are regular listeners know that there's no often no rhyme nor reason for our topics. We come up with a list of things to to talk about subjects that are sometimes very directly spiritually related and other times that are not. And then we ask the question, how does that help us say yes to spirit? Or how does saying yes to spirit help us or affect the way that we deal with whatever the word is? Right. And so with today being hope, that's exactly how it came up. It's just on a list and we have no idea where we're going with it. And, you know, again, that's one of the things that I do. That's how I try to live my life. And so I love that this show kind of mimics that in terms of taking every experience or every activity, whether it be being in church, whether it be being, you know, by myself, whether it be with a stranger, whatever's going on, how do I make certain that that experience, that moment is living in a Christ-conscious this is living, you know, in a spirit of saying yes to spirit. How do I really keep that my focus? And so taking these kind of random topics and drilling them down to, uh, you know, understanding how they do connect me to God, whereas I might not automatically think some of the topics when we picked them and then I thought driving and getting here and thinking about the topic, I'm like, there's no way we're going to be able to connect that back to any kind of <laughs> spiritual... And it always does. It always comes around. So I love that. I love that a lot. Oh, those days when we say there's no way we can talk about that for a full hour. <laughs> you know, we can talk about that for 10 or 15 minutes and then what else will we say? And then, you know, we notice that we have 90 seconds remaining in the show and we are like, no, no, we need another 30 minutes, please. Uh-huh. And I really encourage other people listening to just get into conversations like that. Because the more we get into philosophical bantering, I call it, but the more we see our own ideas come to life and our own ideas change and take shape. I know a lot of times my mind, when I'm just speaking something on a surface level, I'll think, oh, I know all there is about that and this is what I think. Mm-hmm. But when I start talking and I hear what you say and maybe a listener calls in and we hear what they say, and it's like, oh, I can take it to a different level or I can kind of, you know, take it to a different area that I hadn't thought about. So that whole thing about talking, about community, we talk about that as a spiritual practice, having community is, is really cool. So how about hope? Hope and saying yes to spirit. Do you have a, you know, I said early on that the idea of the concept of hope when I was thinking about it initially seemed kind of flat to me or didn't seem to hold much Hope, that's not really anything. It doesn't hope. It's not tangible, is it? It's not like a box you can hold in your hand. What is it? It's like when we say faith. What what is it? It's not not something I can touch. And somehow faith seems to have more of a solid... Maybe it's just I'm more familiar with using the word faith in terms of my faith than hope. Hope seems like... Huh. So uh, Alexander Pushkin, there's a quote from uh, Alexander Pushkin that starts off, the sister of misfortune is hope. The sister of misfortune. It's related. Yeah, when I first read it, I thought it meant kind of like 
and like you can't have misfortune without having its sister of hope. Hope that the misfortune will go away. Hope uh-huh. for better times. Like like almost they balance each other. Uh huh. They're you know like we often talk about faith and fear the same energy that faith and fear take the faith faith and fear are the same thing that. It's the same energy. It's just you have faith in all kinds of bad things happening versus faith in uh-huh. all kinds of good things happening. Uh-huh, right. And in that sense, they equal each other or balance each other out. So the sister of misfortune is hope. That the more misfortune you have, well, I guess you could you could wallow in the misfortune. I was just saying I could go either way. I know myself to go in the opposite direction of hope with the misfortune. But yeah, I can see how. There is an opportunity there to to get into hope, and there, there there's an opportunity there to just say, "Oh, this is screwed up beyond recognition. It's never going to get any better." It's not just me that does that. There's other people. Do. I'm sure it's not just yeah, not just me, but yeah. But I think that is I think that is there's a point of choice when we get misfortune. I absolutely agree with him there. Yeah, and misfortune you know, is in itself a word that, you know, is it really misfortune? Is it just one more stop on the, you know, it's the bus stop number three on the journey from where you are to where you're going, and you need to have this experience so that you could be prepared for what's going to happen three steps down the way. In that sense, it's not misfortune. But I don't know. I guess when I read that, I thought, oh, that's an interesting thing to think about as it relates to hope. Well, and, you know, I uh, had the opportunity to be kind of chatting with a friend that was having some misfortune, and um, she was going on and on about it. And a minister walked by, and the uh, minister kind of overheard a bit of what she was saying, and and. Uh, the minister looked at her and said, you know, you just need to look for the good. Look for the good. And I thought my friend was going to hit the minister. <laughs> She's not really ready to hear that yet. But, you know, it's interesting because I do think that's exactly where we all want to be, right, when we get, you know, our feet knocked out from under us to be able to say, okay, there's the good. Where is it? Let me look in the corner. Let me look underneath the rug. Um, but, you know, I've certainly been that person that says, you know, let's look for the good when the other person is not ready to hear that it almost feels antagonistic or feels discounting, you know. Exactly. Like, okay, I am where I am right now, and I need to get that out some way before I can look for the good. Um, and we do forget sometimes. But that for me brings up the question of, is hope something that we only experience do we have to have that contrast? Do we only have hope or use hope when we're trying to get out of something that we experience as bad or or dissatisfying? Uh-huh. So I hope it'll get better. Or is hope possible even when you're having a really good, quote, unquote, really good life, end quote, do you still use hope, the hope for more good. I hope for a new job, even though I love the job that I have. Is that is that hope or is it hope 
or are we really mostly using hope in the context of, you know, I hope for a better day because right now I have a dollar and two cents in the bank? Yeah, I, you know, my initial reaction is that we only experience hope, as the guy said, as a sister to misfortune, and we don't necessarily experience hope in the good times. Um, but, you know, think about having an attitude of gratitude, could we have an attitude of hope? Would that be a possibility to be in a state of hopefulness and expectation? Well, we talk about positive expectancy, right. that, you know, pray, prayer without ceasing even is not always praying for things to be better. It's, it's that constant, constant sense of gratitude and positive expectancy. Um, it's not begging for new things. Right. So, I, you know, I don't think we have the answer. It just, but it went through my mind of, oh, usually we we do only think of hope when we're hoping for a situation to go away or to be resolved or to improve. Right. But it's the exact, what hits me in this moment is that it is something that I could always use. I could always hope for my best and highest good. But as I say it, I would say that out loud, that part of me that is spiritually grounded immediately came back internally with, no, that's not about hoping because that's a given. I don't hope for the best and highest good. I truly believe on a spiritual basis, on a spiritual level, my best and highest good is a given. The universe is conspiring for my good. So I don't have to hope for that. Correct. I know it to be right. the way that it is. And I think that's my difficult in the world hope and faith. Yeah. This faith is that rock solid, I know it's going to work out. And then hope mm -hmm. seems to be kind of wishy-washy. Oh, I hope. With the idea that maybe it could not work out. But, you know. Yeah, just talking out loud, I'm, and I really had not thought about any of this before this conversation around, yeah, hope feels like it's in the air, right? It's out, or it's just out of reach. So, what do you? How does how does the comparison between hope and dream? Oh, they have the same identity. Hope and dream seem. Why does the word fantasy? You know, it just they don't seem real. They just seem like intangible. Where faith seems like something I could, like a solid thing that I can have faith. But hope and dreams, it's like, well, I can dream it, I can hope it, but it might not come true. I don't like the word hope now that I think about it. <laughs> well, it's no surprise that it took us 57 weeks to get to it. I think a lot of people. Use hope as kind of a platitude, is that the right word? You know, you know, keep up the hope or hoping for a better day. But yeah, even in that example, hoping for a better day is all about, it may not happen, but I sure hope it does. Right. I mean, but in terms of how we use it in our everyday language. Right. And so from a spiritual perspective, if that's how we use it in our daily language, on the spiritual level, what is the subconscious, you know, 
undercurrent that goes with that when we use the word. And it's also discounting in terms of, you know, science of the mind or new thought in terms of, you know, that every experience now is a building block, as you said, to the next highest thing. So if I'm hoping for a better day, I'm always discounting this experience that probably actually is useful to me. I'm trying to get out of this or make this bad. But this is probably not bad. This is this is absolutely good in a, in a form that I don't recognize. It's good right now. Very interesting. It's such a simple word. That's why I love that philosophical bantering. You take a simple word and make it into like this, you know, hour-long thing. So when we talk about affirmations, you know, affirmations, most often I statements claiming how I am, how right. I want to be in the world, how I want to feel about myself, but claiming them in the present tense. Right. So I have heard people say that they use affirmations to to help quote unquote convince the universe of how they hope to be in the future. And they, you know, I, I use my affirmations because this is how I hope my life will be or this is how I hope to be in the future. And so in some, so is that hope? Affirming what we don't have now, I hope for something different, but I'm, am I affirming that I don't have that right now, and so I'm making my current experience inadequate, insufficient, not enough? That's interesting because I'm a big believer in affirmations. Well, I'm a huge, I'm a big believer in affirmations as well, and I know they work. Um, but it's interesting because I don't ever consider them in terms of hoping. I think, I think perhaps I'm just giving hope a bad deal because perhaps you know <laughs> it is more tangible than I think it. Maybe maybe someone else would use it in terms of you know I am. Fit trim size ten, which is one of my affirmations. That's to be true in any moment. But uh, that saying that someone else might be able to say, "I hope to be fit trim in a size ten, and they would have the same inner experience of you know, this is this is happening in my life, even though I don't see it right now. So maybe it's just obviously, like we said earlier, it applies to everything. Whatever value I give to that word whatever, you know, baggage I come into with that word. And I would imagine from um, what you've shared with our listeners in the past that hope would be a fuzzy word for you knowing that you are so attuned to words like work and accountability that are hard... Um, that are concrete, those wimpy words like hope, and hope is where the control is way out somewhere else. That's it. If I can't control it, it's not worth my while to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you could. I thought that, but yeah, hope seems very 
Does hope seem more like faith to you? Do you think of it in terms of like an equal? Um, no, not really. I I also think it's a little softer than because I I find myself using words like I claim this for my future. Um, I demand the universe provide you know X or Y. I know. I know. So yeah, no K N O W. No. Um, and I don't use the word hope very much um when i'm when i'm when I'm thinking about my own life and change and growth in my own life so i i I do as I play back conversations with others you know I was gonna say I'm probably saying things like I hope you have a great day or oh, right. I hope that goes well for you right. That's probably when I use hope more than anything else. When someone else has shared something with me that is a goal they set or they have a concern mm -hmm. about something, which, of course, goes to the Pushkin quote of the sister of misfortune is hope. Right. Um, I, I'm, I might say, you know, I hope that works out for you. Um, I hope, you know, I hope the rest of your day gets better. But even as I'm saying that, I'm, I know that more often than saying hope, I say, I know. Right. I know yeah. this. I know that, you know, not I hope that you're going to get through the surgery fine. I know that the surgery is going to go well and... You know, your best and highest good is ensured. It, for me, it's a much stronger statement right. than hope. And I know in working with the New Thought Ideas, I can recall times in emails, in writing things, I would write hoping blah, 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 and then changing it, as you said, to I know blah, blah, blah. So I think there is... Something that forward hope that we yeah it just have a weakened a weakened kind of uh, definition or you know a, a weakened kind of message. But I think it started out probably as you know hopeful. Oh, <laughs> it started out as a positive, very. And I'm sure there are, as you said earlier, I'm sure there are people who we know and people who we don't know who may be listening to this who have a different take and see the word hope as a very positive and right. affirming word. So I do want to, yeah, go back and what you say, what you said earlier, that we we leave that open yes. for interpretation a different way from other people. But it sounds like when we say, you know, by saying yes to spirit, we have a more, a stronger, more affirmative um, take on what the future will hold. Like it's one level deeper, I hope. It feels that way to me. And then there's this quotation that does give me pause, however. Um, 
It's a quotation from Joaquin Mercado de Asis, and is that a person? Yes. Ah. And it says, out of the size of one generation, not size, S-I-Z-E, but size, S-I-G-H, out, oh, okay, out of the size of one generation are needed the hopes of the next. Needed, K-N-E-A-D-E, yes. Out of the size of one generation are needed the hopes of the next. And when I think about that, and, you know, I've brought up on the show before, you know, but growing up in the civil rights movement as a black person, you know, I can I can think about this in many different contexts. But that, that one context of thinking about past generations of black people in America who had a lot to sigh about, to feel not even resentful about, but sad about that they weren't able to achieve more or they weren't allowed to do certain things. And that that was something, you know, just to just kind of sigh and release. But their experience really needed, created, became the, you know, the yeast, the yeast that created the hopes for the next generation. What will we become? You know, what what will be our key to a better life? And in that sense, you know, hope almost has the same feeling, almost has the same feeling for me as faith, that Generation 1 endured what it needed to endure and planted a seed in Generation 2 to go to the next level. Generation two went to the next level, met barriers and and you know ceilings, and planted the seed in generation three. And their hope, generation two's hope, then got borne out in generation three. And in that sense, hope feels like a collective sense. Oh, right. Versus an individual person sense but a collective sense of growth, expansion. And that feels really good to me. But when I think about it for an individual, it's like, no, don't hope, decide. You know? Don't hope, decide and affirm and take action. That's interesting though, but as a generation, if you look at it as a generation of having hope for a different better, quote-unquote, life, that my tears, my sighs, have, have within them the hope of my children having something more, different, better. It does sort of, it almost makes my sighs or my tears have more value because they are themselves the hope that, that something better will come from this. So let me ask you a question that's related to that. You're smiling in that kind of smile that says you're like, there's, there's something about the question. I'm very nervous suddenly. <laughs> well, in that context, so I know that you have a sense about 2012. 
I do. And so is that a hope that the that 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 millions of us will ascend to a higher or deeper spiritual life way of living that will you know go deeper and be more is that a hope is that faith is it a dream is it I mean, like, hope in that context doesn't have a different sense than individual hope. No, I would not have connected my thoughts on 2012 to hope at all, really, other than maybe the idea that my belief is that we're still in a, a pattern of uh, opportunity, that we can shift our thinking and become more positive and interact in, in ways that connect us to the one, that we can still change the dynamics of how life is going enough to be able to, you know, not have to have some external event help us learn to play well with each other. But um, I think, when I think of hope, um, I don't think of that in terms of 2012, but I do think in terms of hope being that the world that we can wake up I do. I, I can see that using. I do feel hopeful when I hear, you know, Shirley McLean on Oprah, and I hear her talking about, you know, a sense of urgency, a sense of getting things together now in terms of people becoming more interested in each other and more connected and more aware and more awake. When I see other people in other venues that are really getting some attention, I do become hopeful that as humanity, we're becoming more aware that we're not living, we can't live in a vacuum and assume to live forever. Yeah. We have to be willing to take responsibility for our fellow, understanding that our fellow is ourselves. Mm -hmm. Until we understand that concept of oneness, we're designed to live, you know, if we go further and further into our separateness, you know, the world will right itself which is my thinking in 2012, if we don't come together, we, by choice, we'll come together by force. And so I do have hope that it won't have to be by force. It's funny, I always talk about it in terms of if I'm, if my thinking is correct about 2012 and we're really going to get people's attention and we get people moving in an action and, and getting this tipping point towards oneness, then nothing will happen in 2012 and people will continue thinking I'm a nut, but then I will have been right by nothing happening, right? <laughs> but yes, my hope, I guess my hope is that, that, that mankind kind of wakes up globally before 2012. Yes, so that does connect hope. Well, and that what made me think of that yeah. is that quote when I realized, oh yeah, when I think about generationally, for mankind, for civilization, yeah. for a country, then hope doesn't feel so weak. Good point. But when I think about it for me as an individual, it just doesn't resonate. And so that's what made me think about it because, it, yeah. you know, it's looking at what we, what we think needs to happen between now and December 21st, 2012. Is there hope for a better world? And in that sense, it feels okay. Right. Yeah, I like that, actually. Yes. And that does seem tangible to me. The hope of the world, the hope of the universe, the hope of the generation, the hope of the children. 
yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Nice. It's a whole different thing. So weird how just changing the context of the word, the exact same word, changes everything. everything. Well, um, let's take a little break, and um, when uh, we come back, You'll come back, <laughs> and I won't. I'm gonna, gonna check out the rest out here. of the show. And uh, but um, continuing the conversation on hope, you'll I'm sure have a devotion, and uh, maybe maybe a little bit more on this whole idea. Of, wow, that context shift changes everything. Everything. Yeah. And here's hoping maybe somebody might call in and talk to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now that's individual hope. That's individual hope. So yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> All right, so we'll take a break and uh, be back in a minute. Welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you, encouraging me on our spiritual path. This is Leslie and Tracy has zipped away, and I am hoping that my voice holds for the rest of the hour. Um, Recovering, uh, how do we say that? Up until now, I've had a bad cough, a bad cold, but today is the day that it all resolves. Is that the the, uh, affirmative? Way of saying that, I'm not hoping that it resolves. I'm, I'm assuring myself that it will resolve. So, we will work through the rest of the time uh, with a squeaky voice and a, and a, a few other ideas or thoughts on hope. But I would love to, to have a caller if someone has an idea on hope, how hope is either expressed in your life as a tangible thing, or perhaps looking at the idea of a more universal 
hope uh, in looking at when we're working or thinking about our children or the hope for a better world or a better time, uh, how that shifts the idea of hope when we think of it in terms of a, a global perspective. Again, our call-in number is 347-850-1523, And um, in thinking about the idea of, of how shifting from an individual perspective of hope to a, a global perspective of hope shifts the word itself, um, as I was thinking about what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the idea of hope and faith, and faith feeling a little bit more of a concrete concept, and perhaps it's more about the idea that I have with the word hope, and that maybe faith is really more what the actual word means than, than I've given it credit for. Um, looking at my devotions, I have a, a, a faith that now when I look at it, I think I could uh, substitute the word hope, and it would still make sense. So I will read this question on faith and then give some thought to the idea that maybe faith and hope can be interchanged. You can see the light before the sunrise. This line is one of my favorite songs. It is about a young man going through time, learning to see the light, before it is actually there. I thought about this as being pure faith. I know I can experience the light while still sitting in the dark, but many times I have after-the-fact faith. Once in the light, I tell myself I had faith all along, but sitting in the darkness, I see no light at all. I have a hunch God does not experience darkness. Amy Grant's new song says, when we cry out in pain, God hears a beautiful symphony. I thought this made God sound disconnected and unaware. Then I remember God for love, pure source, pure energy. So there can be nothing but light and a beautiful symphony there. These songs reminded me it is my choice to see the light in heart and to hear the beautiful symphony in my cries or experience only the darkness and pain. But it is my choice. So, seeing the light before the sunrise, really focusing on the idea that there is hope in the darkness. Um, And looking at the initial quote, also, I really don't know that necessarily I haven't thought about that before, but the idea of through misfortune, the sister of misfortune is hope, that, you know, it's an old-fashioned way of learning, no pain, no gain. And so through misfortune or through difficulties, we gain hope. And many times I think the way I learn, you know, is is through things working out and then me believing they're never going to work out again, and then they resolve themselves again, and then I don't hit another bump in the road, and I think, oh, my golly, you know, this is the worst bump ever. I'll never recover, and then I recover and enough of those cycles has taught me, you know, I always recover. The pop comes, there's always recovery. And the recovery might not come like I, like I think it will. The recovery may look very different than I thought it was going to look. But absolutely, if I 
and back over the course of my life. You know, there's been this bump in the road, metaphorically, that, that I haven't recovered from. So I've learned to have faith of seeing the light in the darkness because that's been my experience. Um, and it's curious to look at that as being hope instead of having faith that the light is in the darkness you know, hoping uh, about that light in the darkness. It's still, I replace it in that devotion. It still just seems like a, a weaker word. Isn't that terrible? I am judging the word. I am feeling judgmental towards the word hope, which um, in any form judgment can't be good, right? So I'm kind of judging hope as a, as a less uh, affirming word than faith. I know... A lot of times in um, being a therapist, I, I hear people use the word um, hopeless. Uh, I'm feeling hopeless. I've lost hope. And so in in that way, it is a rather tangible thing to that person at that time that they are saying, I've lost hope. I am hopeless. Therefore... Life holds no meaning. I don't have any reason to get up out of bed. You know, there's nothing to live for. And so in that way, in that context, hope seems like way big. If I lose hope and I've lost my will to live because I'm hopeless, then I'm certainly giving hope an awful lot of importance in that sentence. So if I reclaim hope, then I'm reclaiming my connection with life, my connection to the whole. So in terms of using hope in that context, it, it really seems to have a powerful meaning, an important meaning. You know, I almost like I need hope to survive. Um, and again, even though I've heard that said by many people, I certainly embrace the idea that my feeling, my instinct is that still... Even if I have hope, even if I am given hope, you know, is that really something? Um, do I really does hope give me the same thing that faith gives me? My faith, standing in my faith, standing in what I know to be true, is a motivator for me. It's an activator for me. It gives me strength. It gives me sense of. Um, certainty, a sense of groundedness, a sense of joy, a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement, a sense of, uh, did I say certainty? <laughs> Without Tracy to remind me what I just said, I just I just repeat myself. But, uh, but you know, faith has a, a strength to it. When I say, you know, I, I'm sitting in my hope, it's like I'm, I see myself, you know, <laughs> laying on the couch, eating pie, hoping that, you know, some work or some activity or some, uh, you know, something special will come to me knocking on my door, which actually I I halfway believe that certainly, you know, um, things do spontaneously knock on my door exactly the right moment, but um, hope just sounds so much less affirming, uh, so much less... uh, I just you know there you go. I'll just say so much less 
spirit, judgment, end of judgment, end of spirit, end of judgment. Um, and the other thing in thinking about hope and spiritual saying yes to spirit is if if I look at using affirmations or using my spiritual program or my spiritual um, certainty as a way to to reclaim hope, to reclaim faith. And I'm now just going to use the word hope and faith interchange here. But if I look at my spiritual practices as a way to reconnect me to hope, then, then that is a powerful uh, a powerful way to reconnect the spirit through activating my practices and using them as a as a bridge to be able to see that light when I'm sitting in darkness. So to make certain that when I um, am not feeling in touch with my oneness to spirit, when I'm not experiencing some tangible, uh, exhilarating peace of mind and peace of spirit, that I activate my my spiritual practices. I, you know, go into meditation. I say a prayer. I call a friend, if I take action and reconnect to my faith, reconnect to my hope, then that kind of awakens my ability to say yes to spirit. I do think there is something when I'm disconnected from my spiritual truth, feeling my, when I'm not experiencing faith, when I'm not experiencing hope, when I'm in the darkness, not seeing any kind of glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel that may be a train or it may be, you know, God, one of the two, but I see no light. When I force myself into that spiritual practice, force myself into that spiritual action, then I am igniting hope or igniting my sense of faith, my sense of well-being. That, um, that really is my, you know, again, using my words of work and responsibility and accountability and all, so this would make my life so hard because it has to be hard. Right? But um, so that really is my choice, I guess, to be a softer word than responsibility. But that is my choice to instantly have my daily uh, spiritual practice so strong so that when I hit that bump, when I get into darkness, my immediate reaction is to go into a spiritual practice, to meditation, to go into a prayer, to go into uh, creating a vision board, to, to call a friend, to show up at a church group, um, you know, to activate a spiritual practice, to actually, you know, tangibly start figuring out ways to say yes to spirit, go outside, take a walk, do something to, you know, connect myself to nature, which is one of the ways that I say yes to spirit, then I'm reigniting that hope, reigniting that faith. And in that way, hope does become the thing that makes it better. And, you know, I can give hope that power, that 
feeling is faith, um, the person that says I'm hopeless, if they start taking little bitty steps out of that laying on the couch eating pie experience, their hope is reunited and that hope then begins to feed itself. And hope begets hope. <laughs> I think that's a, uh, again, you know, all these reasons I need Tracy, but there's a, I think that's a Bible. It's not hope begets hope, but there's something that begets something. And I think, you know, the more we do something, the more we get of that thing. So if I can look at the word or concept of hope as a tangible thing that I can activate through my behavior, through taking a walk, through doing meditation, calling a friend, then that action, connecting to that hope, will then lead to more hope, more action, more hope, more action, more hope, more action. And then it becomes something that is like a foundation or like the basis for for good, which is really more how I look at the word faith. But now I'm going to look at the word hope as that way as well. And I'm thinking about the uh, other thing in the meditation. I talked about Amy Grant's song. It says, when we cry out of pain, God hears a beautiful symphony. And that song is a really interesting song. I wish I remembered the name of it. But it has several lines where basically it says, you know, when I'm really having these horrible moments, God is almost rejoicing. And when I initially heard it, <laughs> I would literally turn the radio to a different station because I thought, that is so horrible. I do not want to have this concept of me suffering and God going, ah, everything is fabulous. It's just wrong. And so when things seem wrong, I do a very healthy thing. I just turn the channel. Right. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to think about that. That's wrong. X that out. And uh, so then in an effort to be a little bit healthier, today, I thought I'm going to listen to this song all the way. Maybe at the end she kind of says, you know, it was all a dream. <laughs> like uh, like that whole series of Dallas. It was all a dream. It was nothing was real. And so I thought maybe her song at the end, she'll say, you know, I don't really believe any of this. That I'm saying. And so as I listened to more and more of it, I started understanding the deeper and deeper message of it. I think what I understood the message to be for me is that it's not as if God has a, a blind eye or a cold eye and, and certainly um, the experience with the context that Amy Grant is singing, singing of is an external God. But the oneness and the concept of oneness with pure spirit and that everything is spirit and that everything is good, I do think I can connect to the idea of pure love, pure energy, pure source. By definition, cannot experience anything other than pure energy, pure oneness, pure source, pure love, pure good. So, the cries, the pain, the difficulty, the um, bumps along the road that I go through are on the outside of that 
whole love light. So it's almost like a parallel experience, two different levels of experience within me operating because my point of reference, as we've talked about a lot on this show, is you know that the God is within each of us. And so the external God coming in internally to me, interpretation of that. So then I have this oneness, this, 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 this entity of spirit within me that is hearing a symphony at the same time that this other part of me is tracking and feeling pain or having cries of anxiety or fear or hopelessness. Hopelessness, there you go. Um, so looking at the concept that that both are operating at the same time, both and this this idea that the symphony that pure spirit hears at the same moment that I'm hearing painful cries became suddenly kind of reassuring to me, became hopeful, there you go, uh, became a message of uh, possibility, which I think is another word we use for hope, possibly, possibly, possibility. But her, her song then became a very important reminder that it, that I am in choice. I am at choice. That I have this God within that's hearing the symphony, playing the symphony, is pure love, is pure light, is pure joy, and it's always playing. That record is the only record that God within, Christ consciousness, the oneness, the wholeness, the truth of who I am, that's the only record that that part of me plays. It never gets sad, it never gets down, it never gets low, it never gets depressed, it never gets hopeless. It's constantly on go in love and light. And then there's, you know, traditionally we call it this human experience. I, and I resist that because, you know, I, I want to have that mystical experience. So I don't want to buy into the concept for me personally that I'm doomed to have this human experience track playing along the same way, along the same path. But there is a, a duality of the pain of the human experience that is playing alongside this symphony. And then it becomes my choice of where do I choose to live. And again, my resistance to uh, believing that, you know, I have to have these pains, I have to have these difficulties, I have to have these things that don't go well for me because I'm a human. You know, I, I think that that can be about 10 seconds of experience, you know, of something that difficult happens to me, I really believe in my heart of hearts that it's within my choice, within my ability, within my experience as connecting to the God within that I can live in that symphony 99.99% of the time, regardless of my human experience, if I'm tracking, connected to, working within, activating, utilizing, remembering all these words that we want to think about the spiritual truth of who I am. And so re-listening to Amy Grant's song has really been a powerful thing for me in terms of understanding that that symphony that God hears 
is just as available to me within me. I, I don't have to, you know, have only God hearing it outside of me, but I absolutely can be my own sick at uh, at the same time that I'm experiencing the cries of pain. I can absolutely be experiencing hearing a symphony. Um, and that was really cool to kind of experience myself. A, not turning that song off because it, you know, I didn't like it. I was scared of the message. And I think that's a powerful metaphor. Things that I have this knee-jerk reaction to out of fear or I don't like it or I don't agree with it or I don't think that's right. And I just reject it and I turn away from it. That that in and of itself, there's always something to gain or, or look at it from going through something that initially I just want to kind of reject. That there is perhaps a, a higher message for me. So I think that's probably true in Amy Grant's song that I can look at having that hope within the hopelessness. And um, the idea of, of keeping the hope even even when I'm not feeling it, but staying in some sort of active state of hope slash faith. And I think that's it. I think that's it. I think somehow the idea of hope and faith are going to interchangeable in my mind as I move forward and, and continue my day and looking at saying that and how I can review that in everything that I do, in every activity that I participate in, and in every kind of random idea I have to connect that to saying yes to spirit. So, Tracy will be back for the whole hour next week. I will be back. Until then, check us out at GodInMyDay.com and ReclaimJoy.com. And I uh, hope you have a happy Saturday, a happy week, and say yes to spirit. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.